Charlie Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can <laughs> see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Brendan Hedke, and I am here to bring you Timberwolves content. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the Timberwolves and just like the streakiness that they've been playing with over the course of the entire season. And we're also going to talk about the identity of this team, who's been playing well lately, who hasn't been playing. And of course, we'll dive into the covid Um, implications that have come about over the last handful of games and what that means for the Timberwolves and means for the team going forward as long as what it or as well as what it means for just the NBA in general and and things like that so the first thing I did want to talk about before we get into our episode is to talk about our lovely sponsor so I'll do that and I will be right back Bet Online is back and they're better than ever. They have a brand new website, which is amazing. Um, it's going to be here for the rest of the NBA season. They have more props, more odds, more lines than they really ever had before. Um, so they really, they just remain to be your number one spot for all the basketball, football action this coming season. So if you head over to that new website or use the mobile website as well, you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So if you deposit 100, they're going to give you 50 free dollars to play with. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest, the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, so now that we are back with our show. I do want to, before we dive into it, just kind of apologize again for another lengthy absence of mine. Um, I've just been really busy, but the main part was I lost my voice for a, a good chunk of time there between teaching and coaching uh, high school basketball. I just had no voice. You would have, it would have been terrible if you were here listening to me try and talk. Um, but the voice has finally made its recovery and I am ready to go and just win the Timberwolves, again, lose a game. I seem to always miss out on these streaks. I I really seem to miss out on the winning streaks. Um, I need to get better about that. But anyways, let's let's talk about the last time we talked was I think about two and a half weeks ago. And the Timberwolves had just lost to the, um, I believe they had just lost to the Nets by five without Carl Anthony Towns. And they were heading into a tough stretch of games. and I kind of put out basically like, not a prediction, but like an expectation of where this team should be over the course of the next X amount of games. And what I had said was the Timberwolves had 14 games um, coming up at that point. So I'll read those 14 games quick. Um, so it was the Atlanta game, the Utah game, the Cleveland game, the Blazers game, the Denver game, the Lakers game, the two games against the Mavericks. And those are the games that they've played so far, those eight and then on top of those eight were six more games I talked about. Utah again, which will be later tonight as I'm recording this on Thursday. And then the Celtics on Monday, the Knicks on Tuesday, then the Jazz, the Lakers, Clippers. 
That was a 14-game stretch. And basically what I said was the Timberwolves need to come out of that stretch winning seven or eight of those games. Going 500, maybe a step above 500 over those 14 games. And so far, since the Timberwolves have started that streak, they've played eight of those games, like I said. They lost to the Hawks, the Jazz, and the Cavaliers. Went on a three-game losing streak, which also had two games lost right before that. So it was a total of five-game losing streak. And then they followed that up with a win against the Blazers on the road. A win against the Nuggets, which is the first time the Timberwolves have beat the Nuggets since they played in Game 82. Then a win against the Lakers, where they just decimated LeBron once again. Um, And then a win against the Mavericks. And then a loss to the uh, shorthanded Mavericks. We were shorthanded too, but I would... It's pretty objectively clear that the Mavericks were more shorthanded than the Timberwolves. Especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Though the Timberwolves' best defenders were definitely not on the court. But they lost by 12 in a game that they were kind of down the whole thing. I didn't watch most of it. Um, But then I watched most of the second half. They started to come back there at the end of the third, into the fourth. And they actually got the lead, but then they end up you know, going back down and losing by 12. So those are the eight games. So over that, if you weren't counting, they've been four and four so far. So they're right on track to be 500. The remaining six games, like I said, are Utah, Boston, New York, Utah again, and then both LA teams. And all of those games, the Jazz is on the road today. Then the Timberwolves come home to play the Celtics and Knicks back-to-back, which will be nice that the back-to-back is at least at home and not on the road. Then they go on the road to play the Jazz, the Lakers, and then the Clippers the next night. So Friday, Sunday, Monday, they play Jazz, Lakers, Clippers. So those six games, there's some winnable games. I think the Timberwolves could go ahead. They could beat the Knicks and the Celtics. The Knicks and Celtics aren't exactly doing hot. You know, the Celtics are 16 and 16, sitting there right at 500. The Knicks are 14 and 17. They've lost seven of their last 10. The Celtics have lost six of their last 10. So those teams aren't, you know, scheduled losses by any means. The Timberwolves also play Utah twice. This can be tough, um, especially tonight. They're going to be down a lot of their good players. And Utah, from my understanding, is relatively healthy. I haven't checked their health status as of today. But overall, I think they're pretty generally healthy compared to the rest of the league. And then they also play uh, the Lakers, who are a team that they definitely are able to beat. They beat them twice already. The Lakers are just 16-16, and as the Wolves are 15-16. and The Wolves have already won two of their games against the Lakers this season. Um, so that's definitely a winnable game. And then the Clippers is going to be a tough one. The Clippers are 17 and 15. So again, their record doesn't suggest that they're that much better than Timberwolves. But we've seen them take it to a healthy Timberwolves squad twice this year, which doesn't bode well for their chances in that game. Clippers are 6 and 4 in their last 10 games. But again, crazier things have happened. You never know who's going to be available this time of the year um, for both sides, for the Timberwolves and for their opponents. So. It's going to be really interesting to track how that goes, but I would say if the Timberwolves come out of that stretch winning the Boston-New York and, say, the Lakers game, then they went 8-8 eight and eight in that, or excuse me, 7-7 seven and seven in that stretch, I'd be pretty happy with that. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. I think that would be a generally solid um, ending to this, you know, really, we thought it was going to be a really, really tough stretch of games in December, and so far in the month of December... I got to go ahead and look at it now. Uh, the Timberwolves have been playing really, actually, a lot better than people thought they were going to be. Overall, their record in December is four and six in their ten games. Where team, you know, you probably thought at the beginning of the year you looked at that December stretch when you're going up against teams like in December, you're going up against teams like. 
the Wizards, who were playing really well to start the season, the Nets, the Hawks, the Jazz, the Cavs, who people didn't think were going to be that good, but ended up being better than some of those other teams, the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Mavericks twice, um, the Jazz again, the Celtics, the Knicks, and the Jazz. That looked like a hellacious schedule that you were going to go through. And it turned out the Timberwolves so far are 4-6 in that stretch with a chance to improve that record as well. Um, so yeah, I like it. Um, but after this stretch, after those 14 games, I talked about the next four games that the Timberwolves have, which will bring them exactly to the halfway point of the year. And that those games would be a game at home against the Thunder on January 5th. Then they go on the road against the Thunder on January 7th, followed by a quick trip down to Houston on January 9th, and then over to New Orleans on January 11th. So those four games, three on the road, luckily the road games are, the Thunder is, I mean, it's kind of a long trip to go from Minneapolis to Oklahoma City, but after that, Oklahoma City to Houston's nothing terrible, and Houston to New Orleans is nothing terrible as well. So pretty quick you know, trips that they're going to be taking. They're all two days apart, so they're not going to be doing any back-to-backs. Um, they're on the road, but those four opponents aren't anything special. The Thunder this season so far have just an 11-19 and record, and they've had their ups and downs. Currently, they're on a three-game win streak. Um, they're not a team that's really trying to win. They're trying to be in the lottery again. The Pelicans actually have been playing really well lately. Uh, they've won three straight games, um, but again... The Timberwolves have beat them. They're likely still going to be without Zion Williamson. And then they play the Rockets, who had a little winning streak there, but now they've lost their last two, and they're 4-6 and six in their last 10, and they sit at 10-22, and 22, bottom of the league. So if the Timberwolves are healthy in those four games, those are four games that you should, should win. At worst, I, should, I don't even want to say that, but at worst, you have to be 3-1 and one of those four games, right? I get playing teams twice in a row, it's hard to... It's hard to beat a team twice in a row, but when that team is the Thunder, I think as long as you're healthy, you need to win those games. So say the Timberwolves go 3-3 three and three against these next six games, Utah, Boston, New York, Utah, Lakers, Clippers. Then their current, their record would be sitting at 18-19, and 19, and then you follow that up with four games against the Thunder, or excuse me, two games against the Thunder, then the Rockets and Pelicans. If you win all four of those games, you are sitting at 22-19 and 19 at the midway point of the season. You're three games above 500 at that point. Now, when I I tweeted out the other day, where did people expect the Timberwolves to be at the midway point of the season? Um, did a little poll on Twitter. This was before the Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt news broke. So I think a lot of people were assuming another win against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I tweeted this the day before the last game against the Mavericks. Um, so after that game, before this last game, the overwhelming majority, 62.8% of the people that voted, said the Timberwolves were going to have 21 to 23 wins at the midway point of the season. So if you average 21, 23, that's 22. And that's what my, you know, going um, 7 and 3 over these next 10, which is, seems very possible as long, you know, considering solid health, um, that would put the Timberwolves right there, 22 and 19. But again, some people said maybe 24 to 26 wins. Some people thought maybe 18 to 20 wins. Only 0.7% of people said 15 to 17 wins, assuming the Wolves would win max of two more games, which I just don't think is possible. I think at worst, the Wolves are probably 19 and 22 at the midway point of the season. But I think they need to be better than that. I want them, and I should expect them to at least be 20 and 21. 
but probably should at least be 21 and 20 in my in my mind. But again, health around the league has just been so weird. The Timberwolves have been decimated without Anthony Edwards. They've also been missing now Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly missed the last game. And they've been missing Torian Prince and Josh Okogie as well. Um, again, Okogie and Prince don't play huge roles, but they would have played bigger roles and you wouldn't have had to play Jake Lehman and Leandro Balmero as much now that if those guys are healthy, but those guys aren't healthy, which has been unfortunate. So let's go ahead and talk about COVID and what it's all been doing the league. Obviously, there's a new variant, and it sounds like, I think Adam Silver said something like 90% of the of the cases of COVID are coming from the new variant, and it's less severe. There's less, you know, symptoms. A lot of players are asymptomatic, but again, we don't know the long-term health, health effects and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into all that, but I just want to say it's, it's clearly far more transmissible than past you know versions of covid which has been really hard for the nba to get a grasp on but it's been good to see that players having been getting too sick and when they've been getting back they haven't had a lot of side effects or anything like that but it has caused a ton of players to miss games i think over a four was it a four day stretch or eight day stretch or something where it was like 80 something players ended up in covid protocols just an insane number of players um and the Timberwolves have had their fair share of that as well. Luckily, their two of their top three players in D'Angelo Russell and Carthony Towns have been able to stay healthy and stay um, on the court. But they've been missing, you know, some key players along that stretch. And those key players are Anthony Edwards, who is again one of their best three players, Patrick Beverly, who is their best defender, maybe second best defender, and Jared Vanderbilt, who seems to be the glue that kind of keeps everything together on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. We're talking about offensive rebounding and all the factors that play into that. So with that said, um, I want to talk about just the overall identity of this team. What is that identity? What should that identity actually be? And how close are we to seeing what it kind of should shape into? But before we do that, I do want to step away for a minute, talk to you guys about another one of our fantastic sponsors. So give me a minute and I will be right back. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Now, I know, you know, it's past Christmas time. You're going to take an order. It's not going to be here by Christmas, but it's never too late to give someone you love a fantastic gift. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they have cracked the code and the science of Sparkle creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find, and at a light price, just $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink, a beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Priced, so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com Again, lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. All right, back to the identity of the Timberwolves and what that is, what it seemed to be, and what it should be. Right now, I think it's pretty clear. The identity of this Timberwolves team is their defense. Now, you can weigh that on a scale both ways. Awesome. Timberwolves have been a poor, poor defense pretty much my entire you know life. 
after Kevin Garnett left, it's been a struggle on the defensive side of the ball. It's awesome. Playing defense. Cool. The problem is, this team was also supposed to be a fantastic offense. Just an enormously great offensive team. Right? That was supposed to be what they were. They were supposed to just be a top 10 offense, run you out of the gym, drain threes, just like make you wish you weren't playing against them on the defensive side of the ball. And that just really has not been the case this year. So far this season, the Timberwolves rank 22nd on offense. And on defense, they rank 12th. So, what's the deal? What's going on? The deal is, defensively, they've been able to figure it out. The scrambling scheme has seemed to work pretty well. Obviously, there's been some holes. We saw that against like the Wizards. We saw it against the Hawks. But for the most part, they've been locked in on that scheme, and it's been working really well. Uh, the teams that, or the guys that have really been making that going, are like the Patrick Beverleys of the world, the Jared Vanderbilt's of the world, and D'Angelo Russell. I talked about D'Angelo Russell last time, and it just kind of has bared true this whole time. When he's got the personnel around him with the Vanderbilts, the Beverleys, the Anthony Edwards even, and he can direct traffic, that's when the defense is at the best. So he's a very integral glue guy to that scheme as well. But it's sad that that's the identity of this team when you have three super gifted offensive talents in the league. One of the best big men, especially the best offensive big men in the league. One of the most electric, young, athletic players in the league. And Anthony Edwards is a guy that just, like, feeds off of energy. Feeds off of it. And he is one of the most explosive players in the league. Not so much in, like, the athleticism part of it. He is that, too. But I'm talking about, like, when he gets it going, it's insane. There's a few players that get it going hotter than he does he doesn't do it as often as players but he can put the team on your back for a two minute stretch and take a 10 point deficit into a eight point lead it's just boom 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 quick right and then d'angelo russell super smart player makes tough passes hits tough shots but again the identity has not been the offense this year as it has been in every other season it is not the offense right now And I think that's kind of a problem for a team to have just one identity. Just one. You're stuck to the defense, and if you're not playing defense, you're not winning games. I think Dane Moore said this on his podcast with Britt Robson recently. Something about the Timberwolves have played, I think, 11 games where their defensive rating has been above 115, I believe. And they're 0-11 in all those games. So if the defense isn't playing well they're not going to win basketball games, which is an absurd thing to think about because last season, the Timberwolves' defensive rating was 114.5, nearly as bad as that 115. They were able to win games when their defense was bad, and that's because their offense was good. And so far this season, their offense has not been great. It's been good sometimes, but really... The reason the offense is going is because of the transition opportunities that are being created by the defense. The Timberwolves' half-court offense is, I believe, bottom five, if not bottom three in the league. Terrible, right? Some of that maybe is to do with lack of energy since the defense has taken some energy out of you. 
But again, you gotta you gotta make shots. Carl Anthony Towns is the only guy making shots. DeAndre Russell's been struggling. Malik Beasley's been struggling. And really, Anthony Edwards hasn't had the leap that maybe we thought he could. He's shown flashes of being just dominant. I mean, he had 48 points against the Golden State Warriors, but they needed more from shot, especially more shot making, better ball movement, and things like that. Now, that kind of transitions me into my next topic, and that's Carl Anthony Towns and what Carl Anthony Towns has been able to do recently. Uh, the toughest part about the Timberwolves offense this season has been teams are playing a smaller player against Carl Anthony Towns. The Jazz are sending like a Rudy Gay or a Royce O'Neal or a Bojan Bogdanovic at him. Um, other teams have been sending smaller players too, you know, like Nicholas Batum gets put on him. And it allows the Bigs, the Zubox, the Capellas, the Gobert's to camp in the lane and block shots, deter Anthony Edwards from getting to the rim, make it harder for Jared Vanderbilt to get dump off passes, make it harder for D'Angelo Russell to get shifty down into the lane and, you know, make it to the rim. It's been a lot harder. But as of late, Carl Anthony Towns has done something that has been very, very helpful for this team and I think is a way that we can push the Timberwolves offense into the top 15, if not the top 10. And this is what he's been doing. First off, I'll run through his stats of what he's had over the last five games. So over the last five games, it includes a five-game winning streak, which again was the Trailblazers at the Trailblazers, at the Nuggets, home against the Lakers, home against the Mavericks, and then away against the Mavericks. They went 4-1. and one. Um, only losing that second game to Dallas. And this is what the Timber- or what Carl Anthony Towns has been able to do over that stretch of games. He has averaged 26.6 points per game, 9 rebounds per game, 5 assists per game. So obviously he's scoring the ball really well compared to how he was at the beginning of the season. I think his per game this year he's sitting at like 24 and a half points so obviously 26.6 points is a couple points up of that he had a game basically over those so over those five games he scored 23 against portland 32 against excuse me yeah 32 against denver 28 against the lakers 24 against dallas and 26 against dallas so he's been really consistent with the scoring as well the nine rebounds is good he had struggled you know rebounding the ball so far this season i think he's only averaging nine rebounds a game, so that's kind of been consistent with that. But then five assists as well. He's only been averaging three and a half assists this season. So bumping up to five is good. The other big things that he's been doing. Overall, he's shooting 59% on 12 two-pointers per game and 39.1% on four and a half threes per game, leaving his true shooting at 66%. But one of the biggest things is the free throws. 7.6 Free throw attempts per game, hitting 89.5% of those free throws. 89.5%. So basically, Cat is like 50, 40, 90 right now over these last five games. And even on the season, he's at, you know, 50, 40, 83. So he's just been fantastic. The big thing is that he's getting to the line 7.6 times a game, where this, so far this season, altogether he's at 5.8%. So he's getting a couple extra. Um, you know, shots at the line every game. And how that is happening is the big thing. I think a couple weeks ago, I don't remember exactly when, which game it was after. 
and it's been a theme all season. Carl Anthony Towns has been letting that double team get to him, and he hasn't been good at passing the ball out of it. And that's been the biggest thing hampering this Timberwolves offense this season. Alongside not knocking down open shots when Cat does get the ball out of those double teams. But he's been slow with it. And he's been trying to fight through them, trying to score on them, and it just hasn't happened. It's been bad. Now what's happening is he's going quicker. He catches the ball and he goes. He doesn't wait for that double team to come. He catches it and goes. So when they're guarding with the smaller guy, they might be a little bit quicker, so he might not be able to beat them, but he's bigger. You cannot tell me that Boyan Bogdanovich is going to be able to hold his own against Cat driving to the lane. It's not going to happen. He's either going to get past him, he's going to use his strength to go over him, or he Boyan's going to foul Cat, right? And that's the type of thing that we're begging him for. Anthony Edwards post game of couple weeks ago said to like to cat like he's got to go quicker i told him he's got to go quicker nobody can guard you like look at Embiid. Embiid goes quick he doesn't let that double team get to him that's what cat's been needing to do and over these five games that's what he has been doing which have led to like the best stretch of basketball he's played this season he's a plus 51 in those five games this season a plus 51 that is just by far the best I think. I haven't crunched the numbers, but probably the best like consistent stretch of basketball he's played. He was a plus 19 in Portland, a plus 18 in Denver, plus 23 against the Lakers, plus 6 against Dallas, and he was a minus 15 in the Dallas loss. So he was really a plus 66 in those four, in that four-game winning streak. And he, it felt like it, too. He was playing so well that it really did feel like he was doing fantastic. And even in the Denver or the Dallas loss... He was playing really well. He just didn't take enough shots. And that's another problem that we're seeing. Carl Anthony Towns ended the Denver game third in the team in shots. He took 14 total shots, 10 from two and four from three. He was three for four from deep and he was um, six for 10 from two. So he was nine for 14 overall. The fact that he only took four threes and 14 total shots in a game where Anthony Edwards was missing D'Angelo Russell was cold, is just plainly unacceptable. Carl Anthony Towns needs to act like he's the best player on the floor and needs to demand shots, top-of-the-key shots, mid-range shots. Shoot him. Best big man shooter in the league right now, undisputed. He has to hit those shots. He is shooting 42.6% from three this year. 42.6% on 5.6 attempts per game. Two years ago, he shot eight threes per game. Last year, he shot 6.3 threes per game, and now he's down to 5.6. It's just unacceptably low, in my opinion. Just completely unacceptably low. And it sucks that he's doing that. Because I think last game against Dallas was as simple as Carl Anthony Towns taking enough shots, getting the ball out of other players' hands. I think they would have won. If he took 25 shots instead of 14 shots, I... I think they win. I think it's pretty simple as that. And I, I don't think that's like a crazy thing to assume either. For players that shoot at least five threes per game, so that's high volume three-point shooters, there is only five players shooting a better percentage than Cap. Joe Harris, Luke Kennard, Mike Conley, Eric Gordon, and Patty Mills. Then it's Cat and Bojan Bogdanovic. Okay? He's the biggest player on this list by far. Everybody else is a wing. Or a guard. And Carl Anthony Towns 
is a six foot eleven center, forty two point six percent. That is better than Seth Curry, Devin Booker, Norman Powell, Cameron Johnson, Desmond Bain, Stephen Curry, Joe Ingles, Doug McDermott, all those guys. Far and away better than all those guys shooting the ball. Obviously, Steph Curry, better than the Cat. He shoots 13 a game. He shoots 40%. I'm not going to say Cat's better than him. But what I am saying is high volume, Cat is dominant. He should be taking at least, at least eight threes a game. He doesn't have the size to play down low like he used to, which is fine. It's fine. He's still effective when he gets down there in a single team, right? The double teams is what's screwing him over. Don't take those double teams. Shoot it, okay? He's going quick out of them now, but he just, just needs to let it rip. He literally drained a three, highly contested, hand in his face the other night, the sec, the first Dallas game. After the game, said it was a bad shot. You know, he said it probably wasn't a good shot. And he's probably right, but, like, he's never that highly contested up there. Just fire him away. It's all I've been asking for. All we've been asking for. Over that five-game stretch, since Carl Anthony Towns has been playing better, including this Dallas loss, the Timberwolves are sixth on offense, 113.7, which, if you go for the full season, 113.7 would put the Wolves with the 10th best offense in the league. That'd be awesome. And 106.9. That also would put them with the second best defense in the entire league. It's 10th over those last five games for every team. Every team's last five games, that's 10th. But over the course of the season, 106.9 would put the Timberwolves second. Only behind the Lakers. The Lakers apparent. Oh, excuse me. No, that's last year. Sorry. Let me go back. 113.7 would put the Timberwolves offense as the second best offense in the league. Right now, it is six over the last five, and it would put them as the tied for the seventh best defense. Fantastic. I don't know if the defense can keep it up, but I haven't thought they were able to keep it top 15 this season, and so far, they're still 12th. So if the offense can keep going, and remember, these like two of these games are without Anthony Edwards and Torian Prince. And one of these games is without your two best defensive players. If Cat continues to play offense the way he's playing, gets better players around him, I see no reason this team can't jump up into the top half offensively and continue to be in the top half defensively. That is the recipe for a playoff team. No offense or buts about it. A healthy Timberwolf squad needs to be in the playoffs. Eight seed or higher. You might have to play a playing game. I don't know if you're top six. I think you can get there. Because really, you look at the standings, you can get there. The teams that are for sure better than the Timberwolves, I think, are the Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, probably the Grizzlies. They were rocking without John. John just came back. Clippers. Five. Five teams for sure better than the Timberwolves. The Lakers haven't been playing good this year. Timberwolves have beat them twice. The Nuggets are just decimated. The Timberwolves can beat them. They did beat them. The Mavericks, I don't think they're a better team than the Timberwolves. The Trailblazers haven't been playing like it. All those teams, you know, Timberwolves can beat those guys. And then you got like Spurs, Kings, Thunder, Pelicans, Rockets, all beneath the Timberwolves in the standings. I think those are going to be the bottom five teams. But the Timberwolves can't get loose. And as long as they stay relatively healthy compared to the rest of the league, get a little bit of luck, I think they're a top eight seed in the West, if not top six. A couple more things I want to talk about is specific players playing 
good and bad since these COVID absences have come around. Um, Balmero, just, he's not ready. He needs to go to Iowa. He needs to get more minutes, get more comfortable offensively, get more comfortable playing team defense. Um, he's a good on-ball defender. He gets lost defensively off the ball, and he's probably the worst offensive player that the Timberwolves have in their roster right now. It's just not good. On the flip side of that, Nathan Knight's been playing, or played awesome against Dallas. I liked what I saw. He's a brute force. He fouls a lot. Yeah, that's a a struggle, but he's playing hard. Um, He's big. The Timberwolves don't have big guys. I mean, he's like bulky. He can jump. He doesn't give up on rebounds, kind of like Vanderbilt um, in a way. I like what I saw from him, and I liked him next to Cat a little bit. I'm interested to see how much he plays against Utah, considering everybody else that's still missing with Vanderbilt out and and you know um, Patrick Beverly, Josh Okogi, all those guys. We're gonna need some defense, and he looked like the lone guy that wanted to play defense there. Last thing I want to talk about, going back to the the COVID thing. Adrian Wojnarowski, if you didn't see this, tweeted earlier today saying the NBA is nearing an agreement with the NBA. NBA Players Association to lessen the quarantine period for COVID-positive players, sources tell ESPN. In some testing cases, the current 10-day quarantine protocol could be shortened to clear players for return. This is a similar model to the NFL's new plan. Based upon testing, the agreement could allow players to shorten quarantines down to six days per sources. The NBA and MBPA have been consulting with their own infectious disease specialists and studying research models in the UK and elsewhere. So six days would really change, you know, some things. Six days, I think Anthony Edwards would be ready to be back, like, soon. Um, Chris Hine tweeted, we'll see how long it takes for what Woj talked about to go into effect and if it might impact some of the current Wolves that are in protocols who are Edwards, Prince, Akogi, Vanderbilt, and Beverly. Um, tonight, Chris said, should be the last game for Edwards and Prince to sit out regardless. So hopefully those players come back after the holiday. And other than that, um, Jack Borman, um, Canis Hoopas' friend as well, he said that he figured out the 10-day marks for all the Wolves in quarantine. For Edwards, it'd be Monday the 27th would be the end of his 10-day quarantine. So, you know, as long as he's symptom-free and not testing positive, he should be good to go. Same with Prince. Okogi would be the 29th. And then Beverly and Vando would be the 30th. If Bev and Vando don't come back, Till the 30th, they would not only miss the Utah game, they'd miss the Celtics game and the Knicks game and potentially be back for the next Utah game. But if it's six days, then they would be able to come back, um, I think, on the 26th as long as they're up to it, which would pretty much just make them miss the Jazz game. They'd be back for the Celtics. So it'll be interesting to see what the NBA decides to do with that and the Players Association, how all those players are feeling and when they'll be able to be back. But... As long as the Timberwolves can get those guys back and then knock on wood, stay healthy, which is pretty much, there's not much you can do. It sounds like you're going to, like, with how much they're playing and how much they're interacting with other players, like, there's only so much you can do with masking and things like that when you're not wearing them in games. If a player on another team is infected, chances are you have a decent shot of getting infected with how transmissible this variant is. But, again... There's nothing we can do. We just kind of got to see what it, what happens. It's up to the NBA to make decisions, and I don't know what the right decision is. I'm not here to tell you what it is, but 
for now, I'm just going to watch basketball, hope that everybody stays healthy, and it's pretty much all we can do. Other than that, again, thank you guys so much for watching, or excuse me, listening to this episode of the Believe in Timberwolves podcast. I'll try to be back shortly and not give you another two and a half week break. Um, I am taking a vacation, though. We are leaving the day after Christmas, the 26th, and I won't be back in town until the 1st or 2nd of January. So hopefully within that first week of January, I'll have another episode for you guys. But thank you for sticking around, listening to this episode. Uh, This has been the Believe in Timberwolves podcast presented by Online. I've been your host, Brendan Hedke. I will see you guys soon. Have a happy holidays and a fantastic new year. And go Wolves!